in London this one time where I was like, this is it, I'm going to die. This is it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a goner. Hey oh. up! Hey up, mate! <laughs> okay, so we have Snake here with us today. When I say us, I mean me, I mean I, because me and Chris, we're having some time apart, man. <laughs> we're, uh, no, we're just doing some episodes um, separately uh, just because we've been super busy, super busy with the Lanterns Alliance. Um, obviously, we spoke about that in that little announcement podcast that you've heard. Uh, but obviously, me and, me and Snake, we just chatted about um, his old job, uh, why he left, um, a little bit about intrusive thoughts and how he came into being in Led by Lanterns. Um, obviously, we'll have Snake back another time, but because I want to talk to you about how you actually started your vegan product business. And, yeah, because uh, that's a very interesting story as well. Uh, but this conversation really flowed, man. We already recorded this um, podcast before. It was me, you, and Chris, and mm. I'd turn my microphone up like all the way, so it was just like, <laughs> like, and then um, I think was it Chris was fiddling with something, so it was just like, <laughs> no, he was fiddling with something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we just said, let's just do it again, man. Let's just do this again. And yeah. so that's where we are, me and Snake. Uh, we're on Zoom call. And we uh, we just started talking about all this stuff. And actually, I think there's a lot, a lot of content in there that if you're mm. going through anything emotionally, I think you should listen to this definitely because mm. I think even I've had a bit of an eye-opening moment about intrusive thoughts, you know. Like, we spoke oh, about it so before, but... Yeah, there's so much more, but should we just jump straight into it? Yeah, man. All right, then, let's just do it. Snake, I bought a new desk. <laughs> I, um, I've got a new desk, I've got a new setup, and it's the best thing i've ever bought you know this is massive it's a massive desk obviously i've seen to be fair it it did look like the ferrari of the all desks if you had to like compare that desk to like a, a high-end car it's like a ferrari but then again you don't get a lot in a ferrari to be fair so to i don't fair, know what you compare it to but it is really good well i have a tiny tiny room and a bigger <laughs> I desk. thought you were going to say something else then <laughs> <laughs> have a tiny tiny penis um i got a tiny room and uh, a bigger desk has made it's given me more space. It's incredible. I've even yeah, got a drinks it's amazing. holder. Oh, I've got a drinks holder, and I've put my can of pop on the windowsill. And <laughs> um, but yeah, so Snake, how did we meet? Because we've never actually spoken about it. Like, what? What's the crack? Hey, hey, like I know. So I've been a big fan of yours for a very long time. Um, I, uh, in fact, every band that I was ever in. You started a song in your old band, Never Say Die, with a fill. You like kind of, it was, I can't remember what it was, but there was a fill. Oh. And every band yeah. I was ever in, they went, oh, I can do the snake thing. Literally, that's how famous you were in, in, in our little Canuck <laughs> music scene. It, it was um, Direct Me to the Drama. It started with like um, Snare Tom Tom, Kick Kick. Roll, roll, so that sort of thing. I bet you could play that so easily. Is that a hard fill? Because I mean, no, not at all, man. 
<laughs> but every, like every see- drummer that I was ever in a band with would um, kind of, they would show me their worth by doing that beat. And it was like, oh, you can do the snake beat. Okay, cool. Let's get him in. Yeah. <laughs> snake beat. Oh, yeah. God. I can't remember where I got that from. I think I was listening to something like, I'll tell you where it was from. Do you ever remember a band called The Academy Is? Oh, what a band. Yes. There was a drummer called, he was called The Butcher. No idea why he was called The Butcher because he wasn't actually a physical butcher. But um, I just remember listening to a song. Um, oh, I'm trying to think what the song was called. It's the one that goes, Think fast, two years have passed. I don't know why I'm singing on your podcast. And then it, before it goes into the chorus, it goes, Would you believe it? But I just remember hearing that film and being like, Oh, you made me want to go and listen to him now. anywhere else. Yeah, it's, I was listening okay, to him cool. the other day so, while I was cooking. Actually, I had a right, had a right little throwback. Oh, so yeah, I had, I had, no, I had a proper right little throwback. To be fair, yeah, like, to some right old bands, listening to the Finch albums and uh, Hidden oh. in Plain View. But yeah, but that's where that role came from. Yeah, so that was actually the fir- my first introduction to you, Lynn Snake. That film was kind of, I mean, I'd watch your band play. Um, I've always been a singer in a band until I joined Led by Lanterns as a bass player uh, initially. But I remember, obviously, I just... Uh, for some reason, drummers, they're great to watch, but there was something about the way that you you played and the passion that you still show now when you're... Obviously, me and Chris have spoke about it in the podcast before. Like, the amount of passion that you show. It's like you don't have to tell people that you're having a good time. Like... You can see it, and it is so good to watch. <laughs> like it's like I've just I said to Chris, like Snake is not in the room with you when you're playing. Like you can try getting his attention. Literally, you have to come and tap tap your shoulder and be like, Snake. Um, I don't know. The, the, the venue's on fire. Stop playing. <laughs> like I don't know. Like you're so in your own world, <laughs> Get out. and it's so cool. Like, um, but how we actually met. So I. In my band, we were in a band called STD. You were in a band called Never Say Die. And we yep. supported you at a venue called Warhead. Warhead. Yeah, that was that was yeah. a brilliant venue, that was. It's just like, it, like that, that scene in Cannock was amazing to be able to turn up on a Friday. And I remember the first time we played Warhead, we'd done like little shows at the Avon Centre and there was St. Luke's Church. And then there was this guy called Paul Winkup, who actually was a band manager, and he ended up managing us for a while. And then we started playing these Warhead shows. And, and that's when we're like, I think it was quite central for people to get to. And that's when we thought, oh, God, people around Canuck actually do like us. Because you get easy, like, 200-odd kids there on a Friday. Yeah, and, yeah. And they'd, and they'd be there to see us. And then and then we'd go and play the Rougie Red Rose, and then they'd go and... Yeah, you know, they were all, like, go and follow, and it was just like... I mean, Warhead was a shithole. I remember my, like, oh, yeah, the first horrible. time my mum and dad ever came to watch the band play. Um, I remember like two two people just underneath the table, like hmm. basically getting it on, like fully, yeah. like hands down the pants and also. And I was like, "Mom, it's not normally like this. I promise. Come to other shows." And like, I needed my mum and dad to go to shows because, I mean, ticket sales. <laughs> just, yeah, I, yeah. We had no fans, so. Um, yeah, but, but the thing is, back in those days, ticket sales wasn't a bother. It wasn't, you know, like how we went through a phase of, oh, you've got to sell this many tickets to it do It wasn't this as bad it, now. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Back I in mean, those, well, for Warhead, you guys it was. For you guys it was. Like, mm. you guys could sell out a venue. Like, 
Nobody wanted to come and watch us play. Like, honestly, nobody mm. wanted to come and watch us play. And I, we were shit. Like, you I, we I, were man, shit. When I look back at Never Say guys, Die. Like, oh, back to Never Say Die, yeah. Dude, we weren't... We, we weren't that good. If you compare, like, I've got our EP upstairs. And, yeah, for the time, it was before things like Four Years Strong came out and things like that. I kind of feel like we were doing breakdowns in pop punk way before Four Years Strong. Because um, then, literally, yeah. um, there was a band from Blackpool, and I really can't think what they're called. Because it's just Oh, I know what you're about. But they were kind of, like, they've, in that Four Years Strong. They broke a few years ago, yeah, didn't they? they... <sighs> Hero. Hero. Me versus Hero. There we go. There you go. Me versus Hero. So but so basically, um, we played Blackpool once, and they came down to watch a show, and they're like, oh, guys, you're such an inspiration to us. And we're like, oh, thanks, man. Like, it's, it's so weird, because we think we're like the most uncoolest band ever at the time. I used to think Adam was really cool, the lead singer, because like, Adam and Mark had this kind of twin thing going on. They looked really similar, yeah. and they always dressed really cool. But I always consider myself, in any band I'm in, I always consider myself as the most uncoolest person of that band because I don't ever fit into a band sort of structure sort of thing of how to look and things. But um, yeah, they're me versus hero. Oh, they, no, they got, I totally see you dif differently, yeah. No, like me, like, and even if I'm playing on stage with you guys with like Led by Lanterns, I'm just like, I'm so, I kind of feel like I ruin the image for you guys sometimes. No. Like, oh, God, I look so crap no. there was that one but, time um, where um you started humping your uh snare my snare and, um, <laughs> yeah um but no other than that though dude no absolutely i think you're a very good drummer to listen to and watch because you sound quantized and you look passionate <laughs> and honestly i don't think like i don't think you can ask any more to go mm. and watch a musician, I don't think, you, you know, obviously we've just released this uh, Lanterns Alliance thing and you've done a few drum run-throughs and, like, I've watched mm. them now a few times. I was like, wow, like, obviously there's more to come. Uh, you've re we've released a live so far, but there's still, like, I've, I've been watching those and I'm like, fuck, man, like, you're dead good. Mm. Like, you are really good at drumming. Okay, anyway, that's how we met um, and our music. And then, obviously, me and you were in a band together. We were called The Always. We were in that band mm. for about two years. And then a friend of mine, Brad, he asked me if I wanted to join as a bass player uh, for Led by Lanterns. And I said, okay, because I, I, just, I just thought... I mean, the band, we kind of had a few disagreements with the sound that we wanted. And, you know, it was a bit mm. of fun. Um, but this this band, Led by Lanterns, had a, had, a, had a school. They lived in a school, you know. And, like, I never went to university. I went to college and then left. And the school, for me, was that kind of university lifestyle without the debt. And that was the reason why I joined, because they had this school. And they had a song called Recovery, and I thought that was a pretty decent song. So I was like, ah, you know what? I think I could get into playing bass. I think this is something that I could actually do. Um, uh, and I did enjoy it for a little bit, but it just, you know, I was kind of ready to leave, and then Boots left, and then opened up an opportunity for me to sing. So that's why we end I ended up staying. But mm. um, so me and you were in a band together, um, and... Obviously, when did when did you leave that band? How come how come that fizzled out? Because you carried on for a little bit, didn't you? A little bit. It was just like practice here and there. To be honest, it was it kind of went from doing that band to thinking, oh, we're not going to really find another singer better than Sean. To be fair, because you're not around this sort of area or in like across the UK. To be honest, that anybody that's willing to travel, 
smoking I mean, with that band, mirrors, man. Yeah, well, with that band, it was just kind of like, like you say, we had this EP and we just went, there you go. And it was just like, well, that was a waste of time recording that EP because we've just kind of gone, there you go. It's on Spotify with no sort of, fi- no, no hype or anything around it or any type of build up. And I think that's probably what attracted you more to Lanterns because it was a more of a professional way of working. Chris had obviously been in a few bands. He knew how it worked. Boots had knows how it worked. And I think... At that at that age, really, we're like oh, I'm trying to think how old we were. Probably like 25, 26, something like that. We didn't even have that experience. The experience that Chris and Boots had at the time of this is how you release a song as a band. This is how you release an EP. You don't just go, there you go. Yeah, it's yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it just all that hard it's a work. Whole process, was like, yeah, yeah. It's like we put all that hard work in and just went off. You go. You know, there's no sort. There wasn't any benefit from what we did, and at the time we didn't see that. And I think every band that I'd been in, been in up till then, it kind of it kind of clicked then when when we did that because I was like, oh, actually, Sean's got a point. We've kind of gone, just dropped it, and we didn't even do anything with it properly, really. And um, but that's what that's what bands yeah. used to do back in the day. It used to be, like, we'll record an EP or something, just drop it. It's not. It hasn't got like the work ethic or the workflow that Led by Lanterns has, sort of thing, that I find. So I think the, the yeah, workflow yeah. that you guys have that's, is, a, is that's a lot something better. that caught a, drew me to them. Yeah, mm. that drew me to them when we for when, while I joined is because that they mm. had a whole they had a whole plan that I wasn't aware of, and um, yeah. You know, some things worked, some things didn't work, and uh, obviously that just. Uh, but when I was in a band with you, Snake, I remember we used to have to practice, and you used to wear a suit <laughs> because you had a very high-paying job. And uh, but that brings it brings me on to that that because that's something I do want to talk to you about. Um, your job, yeah. like you had a really high-paying job, and as far as I'm aware, you weren't entirely that happy, and you wanted more for yourself and so you started a business like first of all what was your job (laughs) okay so um i went i've always been in some form of sales well actually i lie i've always worked for either in catering or in sales so effectively I, i started working for a company in sort of the Warsaw area, and they used to do communications and solutions. So I started as a, de- a desk-based account manager, just coming in, looking after customers, making sure that they're being looked after from a service contract perspective, and that's from, like, telephone systems, data networks, anything you can think to make a business run. We sold it, basically, and sold it as sort of like a managed service solution. So we would obviously run it from our end and look after it from a maintenance perspective. If it went down, we would be there in so many hours, blah, 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 blah. Um, But at the time when you saw me wearing suits, I'd gone from this desk-based account manager and I'd gone to a junior salesperson to actually like a senior salesperson within the time that I'd been there, which was probably about eight years. But just trying to think when I was probably junior sales because I always wanted to go on as a field salesperson because sitting behind a desk, I like to sit in front of people, get to know them and, you know, just, just interact with people really. That's something you're very good at. Yeah. And that, that's, that's why they took the risk on me to be honest, because yeah, I'm I'm not yeah. like your typical, you know, freshly cut salesperson, the perfect hair, the perfect chiseled gin, you know, it's just because they are there. There's a lot chisel, chisel, chin. <laughs> chisel, chin. Because there are a lot of salespeople that are proper, like especially where I used to work. They were like finely pruned. They would dye their hair, pluck their eyebrows, and honestly, it was yeah. just like it was all about the image. They had like the Range Rover or the Jaguar, 
and that's how they were. And and that just wasn't me. I was all about just going out, talking to people, understanding what their their pain points were with the business or pain points with what they had, and then going, well, let's design a solution that cuts all those pain points out. And actually, I'll do exactly what I'll say. So effectively, a lot of people used to be like, yeah, I'll do this for you, but they never do it, where I would always follow through and make sure if I said I was going to do something for you, I would do it. And that's why yeah. I was quite I was Yeah, a bit I can successful. totally see that. Like, you are definitely... Um, so when we've been on tour with you, Snake, mm. you have been the first person on the merch desk, um, you know, talking to people. Every time I used to turn around, I, I see you chatting to people. And, you know, you're having a laugh, mm. like... Literally, watching you talk to a stranger is like watching you talk to somebody you've known for years. It's it, You've got such mm. a way. And, and you know what? And we we meet so many <laughs> different people from different backgrounds. And you seem to have, like, a very good way of just connect. Like, you find common ground faster than anybody I think I've, I've ever yeah. met. Like, you're very, you're very good at kind of... Um, just chatting to people like that like you've got you've got away so yeah. i mean that seems like a good job for you to be in i guess yeah so where why did you what what went wrong for you then what what wasn't there it, it was just it was just the ethics around the whole job the whole you know i'm not saying the company was ethically bad or anything like that i just thought some of the treatment of some of the staff there wasn't very good and i used i, yeah. I used to ignore it because i used to be like i don't want to lose my high paid job um, but it was affecting yeah. my time as well. I wasn't being able to be at home and it was affecting my um, pie of life that I've talked to you guys about before. I've, I've always said that like there's a, especially when I went through that therapy after this job, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't, I, I was just kind of thinking, you know, I, I, I kept thinking I was kind of a bad person for ignoring these things and it was turning me into something that I didn't want to be like a, type of person yeah i was very matter of fact when i worked there i was very much well that's that and that's it you can't really do anything about it and move on sort of thing whereas i wasn't yeah. very empathetic i don't think i was just i just started to get to the point where it was right let's get in there get the big sale obviously still do say do what i say i'm gonna do but it just came it yeah. became all about really about getting the big sales and not servicing the customer properly for me so you started to become that person that you didn't yeah. like when you started the yeah. job. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't that I tried. I was I was I was trying to fit in a bit more when I, I just I just should have just kept being me, really. Uh, and then Yeah, I think that's a quite interesting as well. Like when you try to fit into something that you mm. don't feel like you fit in, um, eventually there's like a backlash mm. where it's kinda like you just rebel against it all of a sudden and then just you kinda go, No, fuck that you know, all of a sudden you're just like, No, I'm not doing yeah, this. Yeah. And uh, I, I've definitely done something like that to a smaller scale, mm. probably. But I've definitely tried to fit in with a group of people that I don't, I wouldn't necessarily fit in. Mm -hmm. I did a sales job as well, and um, it was uh, well, say it was sales. It was canvassing. Mm. I used to knock on oh, doors man. and try selling. I've stuff, never done that before. Which is, which is something you'd be very good I at, Snake. I, this is like I wouldn't a, like to do it. But I know exactly the kind mm. of person that you're talking about because. Although, man, I worked two two weeks and picked up twenty five pound one week, and then I worked one week and picked up like three hundred. Yeah, yeah. Shit, I've just punched. <laughs> um, you know, I've uh, so I know the kind of person that you think that that you that you're talking about, mm. and I know I can imagine you then looking at yourself because I know you quite well, looking at yourself, going, "Whoa, this isn't me." Mm. And obviously, you spoke about. Um, obviously, we tried to do this podcast before, but. 
for loads of different reasons, it just didn't sound very yeah. good. I'd turned the gain up too high <laughs> and I was just peaking. Like, like, But you actually spoke about, and you've just mentioned it mm. just, that you did a bit of therapy. Yeah. Um, so how come, what, what drove you to that? Like, what what made you feel like you needed Well, that? I was working in London. I, my patch was London, effectively. So I would go to London two or three times a week. Towards the end, it was getting to like once a week. So I just wasn't hacking it, really. Um I was just starting when I was getting to London. I just, I was just starting to have panic attacks for some reason. I was just like, oh my god, um, I'd be like, God, if I had a, if if something happened to me here, I wouldn't be able to reach anybody because I'm so far away. And but I think it was the, oh, it was yeah. the pressure of the job that was like causing me to have these anxiety attacks. And I was just like, oh my god. So I was just getting them quite regularly and regularly and regularly, and then they were kicking my ass so bad, up like to the point where. Um, uh, you, you ever heard of rescue remedy? I'd literally have a bag full of re- I'd, I'd have a bag full of rescue re- um, rescue remedy stuff from Boots. It's like you know, a y- little yellow thing. You put it underneath your tongue. You can get rescue remedy chewing gum. It's like a herbal thing. And oh, I w- is it like a CBD thing? No, before oh god, this is before CBD even even launched. Became really. mainstream. Yeah, thing, yeah. It, it was just like something. Uh, it was a herbal thing that you can get from Boots, and it apparently it, it helps with anxiety and things like that. And I was trying all sorts, St. John's wort. Sounds horrible. It sounds like somebody's wort off their toe or something, but it's called St. <laughs> John it's called St. John's wort. I was taking that. I was taking everything underneath the the sea to try and stop these happening. And they just weren't. They were just like pushing, pushing, and pushing. And my brain just wasn't recognizing the situation that was going on. And and it was just panicking and panicking and panicking. And it was all down yeah. to it was all down to the stress of what was going on. It was all down to like, because if you did something wrong within my team or if you, we had a management person that really, really came down on you really hard and was quite um, manipulative in the way that that person dealt with you and it made you feel yeah. awful inside. It made you feel like you'd done the worst thing in the world and you were just like, you know, you were extradited for days and then three days later, you'll be that person's best friend again. And it was just like, it, it like bordered on Didn't like... Didn't know where you stand. Yeah, yeah. It, it was quite like, um, what my therapist said, it was quite like abuse, uh, abusive relationship. And that kind of yeah. just, and that was just breaking me down and breaking me down. And this person knew that they could control me quite easily and tell me to do something and I would do it because I'd be too afraid of like getting on his on, on this person's bad side sort of thing. And it was just like, yeah, and and okay. and because I had this high paid job, and I was just like, God, I just, I don't want to lose the money. I don't want to lose. I was so afraid of losing this money, which is just ridiculous because it's not like a money isn't a mass. Now I'm at the other side of it. I'm like, money isn't a massive thing. It's all about your happiness and your time that you have with where you're here and what you do with it, really, rather than slaving away sixty, seventy hours a week at a job. But from yeah. there, uh, I, I had quite a real bad panic attack in london this one time where i was like this is it i'm gonna die this is it i'm, I'm a i'm a goner <laughs> um i then started to book after i got back and i realized i'd survived it i was like okay i need to book some therapy because i had like company health benefits so i just automatically oh, okay booked so that that panic attack was your wake-up call yeah, thing. it was that bad that it yeah. actually shook you into i mean I, i'd had okay. year, i'd had years before where it started to get worse um I had telltale signs that something was going to go wrong. Like I went to the doctors one year because I was just so run down because I was working so much. I was sitting in the doctors and I passed out on the floor 
and they dragged me into the back room and they were like, I, and I just couldn't feel the left side of my body. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on? And then the year after that, oh I got God. I got shingles. You know what it's like to get shingles. So the year after that, I got oh shingles. God, yeah. And then the year after that, I started getting anxiety and I thought, oh my God, this is what pushed me. I was like, what if the next year I have a heart attack? Because it's just building and building and building. I passed out the first year, shingles that year, anxiety this year, next year, what's, you know, I was just like, I've got to change something yeah, in my life. Yeah, you know what? That's, some, that's something that I've never actually mm -hmm. truly thought about too, too much. The fact that it does build um, yeah. if you don't, you know, things, it's it's a bit like, you know, how te I, I, I talk quite often about how technology is growing at a, mm. a rate that I can't quite comprehend because technology breeds technology sort of yeah. thing. So, like, you know, it's just going at a rapid pace and it's just going faster and faster and faster. And mm. that, I guess, I guess that could be attributed to um, mental health as well because mm. I know exactly what you mean by <clears throat> I've, I've had this moment today and then... And then next year you'll have this this moment, and then it kind of grows yeah. into something else. And then you'll mm. have, if you don't rec at least, I think the very least thing that you can do is recognize that you have an issue. Well, what, what so I, you obviously yeah. you recognize that you had that, yeah. and then you went to see a therapist. Mm. Um, so did that help you? Honestly, did yeah, definitely. Because what what I had before before I went to therapy, I was finding that I'd have six good months but then I'd have a month or two of bad months. And I, I just used to put up with, oh, well, through the year, I'm going to have two or three bad months where I feel like awful. And then I'll get through yeah. that. And then I'll be strong for the next six or seven. I just took that as how things work sort of thing. Um, but yeah. but I, I That's a good way to look at it, yeah. <laughs> but that I, that I took that as gospel and I thought that's how, that's how life works. And obviously it doesn't work like that. And I started, I... I kind of booked an assessment with, because you have a therapist, but then obviously you see a doctor first. So you go see like um, like a proper proper mental health doctor that will sit there and you will have an hour with that person and they will assess what's, what's your right path to do. And on the way to there, I was driving through, there's a road from me um, the uh, on the way to Birmingham. It's so busy. And I must have had eight panic attacks on the way to this therapist or to this doctor i remember i was like yeah. kicking back i was kicking back these rescue remedies going work work something just work for me because i can't drive and i was like crying my eyes out and i was just like oh my god what's wrong with me yeah. and then i actually got into like see this doctor and this and i was just like i'm you don't have to excuse me because i've had such a bad journey here and then i just started talking about everything and then everything just left my body like I just let everything out and my emotions came out and she was like, yeah, yeah, you definitely need therapy. But the one thing that I regret, and I've told you about this before, they they automatically went, right, we need to put you on something called sertraline, which is an antidepressant. And because um, yeah. uh, I've, I've always said to you, if they ever offer you anything, never take it straight away. Give, you, give therapy a go first and give yourself a good run of that before deciding to do anything. Yeah, I've actually spoken about that on the Lanterns Alliance. So obviously, if you just have a look at the last mm. episode that that we've released on this podcast, me and Chris talk about what Lanterns Alliance is. Mm. And I actually have spoken about that advice um, and because I got prescribed uh, Citalopram, a very small dose of it, but I chose not to. Um, and I'm very mm. glad I did. And yeah. you, were big, you were a big part of me actually just thinking... 
And I am really glad I didn't do that because I'm in such a better place now than what I was. How long ago was that? A year ago? Mm. And uh, I, I don't know if yeah. I would have been in the same place if it weren't for... If I if it had mm. been taking medication, then I would have had an, a, another thing to contend with that am I only feeling better because I'm on medication? So a very good bit of advice. So thank you very much. Mm. But obviously... It's well. It it's, works it's for some people. I, that's yeah. Well, it's 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 a mistake that I made that I just didn't want you to make because effectively I took this um, sertraline back, and that's quite a strong antidepressant. And I remember speaking to the person that was controlling my life at the time, or I felt like was controlling my life at the time. Um, he was just like, take the pills and get better and come back to work, sort of thing. And I was like, hmm do I really want to be doing this? And he was just like, yeah, take it. You know, if you had a cold, you'd take antibiotics. Blah, blah, blah. That's the word. Yeah. I hate it when people say that because people, it's it's one of the, I don't, some people might agree with it. I just don't because people go, well, if you had a cold, you'd take it. And I'm just like, I've got nothing against people taking antibiotics. I take antidepressants now at the moment. I have to take citalopram, but that's because of the effects that I had from sertraline. So effectively I took this sertraline and this sertraline took me down a far darker path than what I originally walked into that doctor's room for yeah uh, and it's just um and it it was just pfft, that that drug destroyed me for a good good three or four months to be honest yeah. do you think that's uh, um, i mean ha- do you think that's um it depends on who you are do you think that could really because i actually know a few people that are on that and it, yeah it, it does work for them so I don't mm. know. Do you, do you think that was just because everybody should be taking something different? I mean, if they are taking anything, do you think everyone should be, ha- you know, think about Because it? it's kind of hard to tell, isn't it? You know, antibiotics, if you're ill, take antibiotics. Yeah. They, work for, they work for everyone and they kind of do the same thing in everyone else. So I know what you mean. If yeah. you were ill, you would take this. But when it comes to mental mm. health, all these drugs, they do very different things and there's no way to actually measure what's wrong with you fully, at least not yet. No. And so it's hard to say. Like cert- I could have said yeah. just you get on you go on sertraline and and then you go mm. on Satalopram. But like how how are you meant to measure who goes on what and on what dosage? So I know what you mean, and you know what, I do agree it's, with it's, you. It's a guessing game. Yeah. That's that's quite mm. worrying that it is. Well, it I is well originally so well it, it the, the actual sertraline, and I've said I've talked about it before, and I, I know you obviously want to talk about it on the Lancers Alliance. It gave me like it, it gave me really bad intrusive thoughts. I think it's probably I, I kind of have some form of OCD, and I and through this therapy, I found out that I have some form of OCD. Yeah. Um, and it's not OCD. Well, it's not OCD like oh this has got to be straight or that's got to be this. Even though I did like things to be like my trainers to be straight or you yeah. know, I used to have this thing where like. I'd have to do things three times or something bad will happen. And it's quite a common OCD. Oh, you you yeah. always I hear. I remember you saying that, yeah. Uh, and th- and to be honest, when I was a young child, that ruined my life for quite a while because my mom would be like, why are you switching the bathroom light on three? What are you doing? I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd broken so many bathroom cords when I was a kid because I used to be like, one, two, three, one, two, three. Oh, God, that looks really bad what I was doing. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure um, you guys listening can imagine yeah. what that looked like. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so through my through this therapy, I've recognised that through my life, from an early child to where I am today, I've had some form of 
you know, OCD or mental health like problems. I wouldn't say mental health problem, more OCD when I was a child. And then that's kind of developed through the scenarios that I've been into, into like a, a bit of a mental mental health episode. Um, like when I was a child, I was always, um, there's something called sudden death syndrome. And you're always a flight. When I was a kid, I remember like crying so much because I was just like, I don't want to die and I don't want you to die to my parents. And it just upset me so yeah. much. And I couldn't wrap my head around death. And nobody talked to me about death. I think I'd just seen it on the TV and I was like, whoa, what's yeah. going on there? And um, then my parents explained to me that, yeah, one day we will die and you will die as well. And I was just like, oh my God, that just upset me yeah. to the point where... I can't remember the first time I actually re knew about, had already even heard about death. or You know, because at some point that's got to be news to all of us. Like... Yeah, and I, I think it's not until you actually lose somebody. Like for me, I mean, I was like 15, and I lost mm. my granddad, uh, and it was relatively sudden, mm. and that's where it kind of hit me. Um, I mean, and that's quite late. I mean, obviously, I knew people died, but I don't actually remember mm. the first time I ever realized or discovered death as a as a topic. I, mm. I don't know that, but I guess I, I can imagine why that would be daunting, and all of a sudden that becomes mm. like a reality to you. Oh my god, my, my parents are going to die, or oh my god, everybody that I love will die. I will die. You know, that's quite a scary yeah. thought when you're a kid. Mm. Uh, but you mentioned um, intrusive thoughts, which obviously we've spoken about before, and I think that's quite interesting. Like, just for those that don't know, because I didn't, uh, what are intrusive thoughts, and how did you struggle with that? Uh, well, how I kind of looked at intrusive thoughts and how I was explained to them, I mean, everybody gets a random thought in the head. It could be as stupid as, let's take like driving on a motorway. Everybody's mm -hmm. always had that thought about what would happen if I just pulled the wheel and just crashed into that van, right? Yep. So in, in somebody's brain, that thought will come in and then they'll go, that's a silly thought and it will just bugger off. Because I had some form of OCD, say a thought like that would go in my brain and then I would go, oh God, why am I thinking about that? Is that because I want to do it? Is there something wrong with me? Oh my, I would obsess about that thought. So yeah, intrusive, yeah. Thought, intrusive thoughts are just things that pop into your head where a normal person with like a normal, like I'm not going to say normal brain because that's like the wrong way to say, with a, um, say a, a healthier brain than what I had, that, yeah. that would come in and then Better their brain. processes, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of thought process, but, but how the brain works, there's something called the amygdala. I think that's how it's pronounced, the amygdala. There's something in your brain that effectively it sends a th your thought, sends it to the amygdala, and then it will go, okay, this is nothing to worry about and send the thought away. But somebody with like how I do, or at the time how I was having these panic attacks, the thought would be sent to that part of my brain. And because I'd been panicking that much, that part of the brain would go, no, the, no we've just got to panic. There's no turn off button yeah. within this. So the chemical yeah. imbalance in the amygdala, I think it's called amygdala. It's something like that. And it, it just, or because I didn't have the correct chemical balance in there to be actual for my brain to actually go, oh, you know what? This is nothing to worry about. Don't worry. Throw the thought away. My brain was always on, you know, high alert. Everything was a worry. Every If it was to panic about something, just panic about it. So that's because that's when yeah. I, I actually started reading about what, what do panic attacks do and how, do, how does it all work in your brain? And that's when I kind of realized, okay, so it's just something in my brain that... I've broken somehow by continuously panicking and not rationalizing things properly. And then all I need to do is actually yeah. take a step back and 
kind of assess these intrusive thoughts, stay with them, don't be panicked by them, let them stay in your brain, don't ignore them, because if you ignore them, they will push further into your brain and, and really try and kick you harder and just yeah. absorb them and just kind of see them like an advert. The best thing that me and my therapist came up with was, you know, when you're driving along a highway and you see like advertisement on billboards, mm-hmm. once, you've, once you've seen that about 10 times, you know what it is, you know what it says, you don't even have to look at it to know what it says. You're like, oh, it's that advertisement. So that's why we kind of looked at it. Uh, it was just like an advertisement that I've seen before. I know it's there. I can recognize it, process it, and move on sort of thing. So yeah, that, that, that's a really that, good way of looking at it, yeah. Mm. I actually remember, because this this will then bring us on to my next point, because I actually want to talk about how you, you joined this band. But mm. I remember telling you, and I don't know if you'd already discovered this for yourself yet, or mm. do you remember, um, obviously, I was living at the college and I was living with Chris at the time and mm-hmm. you came over with the band that you were in currently, uh, not currently, but the band that yeah. you were in before us yeah. and you were mm-hmm. talking to Chris about the in-ear monitor system. Yeah, and I remember telling you, because I just really discovered that I had anxiety and I mm. really needed to take control or at least understand what triggers me. And I remember talking Mm. to you and saying, um, I remember saying when I'm on stage sometimes, you know, because me and Chris, we'd been in a cover band for a long time. Um, I mean, not a long, long time, two two years, but at the time it was probably about a year, but we'd done a lot of shows and I'd kind of gone on Mm. autopilot playing yeah, playing live it. and then i said to you i remember sometimes i told you about that not my first panic attack but the pan- panic attack i had at one of the shows which i have spoken about before mm. and uh, i said dude i just become like hyper aware of myself sometimes and i just think yeah i could literally just grab my guitar and just go fuck you you know and just down the microphone <laughs> and just you know everyone would just look at me and it would be super embarrassing and you instantly connected with that and was just like that is exactly yeah. exactly what i go through and i'm just curious mm. now because i genuinely don't know had you already discovered what intrusive thoughts were before that or was you no no you didn't you didn't know okay this this was probably two years before to be honest um that was oh, that two early years before on. so yeah so like i like that that kind of hypersensitivity of of your awareness. Like I used to be hyper aware of um, my breathing at one point, and you'd be like, "Oh, oh God, dude, I know you, exactly what you mean. Yeah, I know exactly the, yeah. what you mean." But the thing is, once you get once you get into that mindset, it takes you a while to kick it out to be like to forget about breathing. Breathing happens without you knowing it. Y- you're breathing; it just happens. You don't physically have to do anything to breathe. Your body does that mm-hmm. for you. But when you physically become aware of it, you're like, oh, my God. And you start sort of trying ta- to breathe for yourself, trying to do it yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, um, just even us talking about this, there's probably going to be somebody listening now. I'm so sorry for fucking you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, it's one of... The, yeah, let's move on from that because that is... Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm going to start breathing weird now. <laughs> but I know what you mean when you're trying to sleep and that, that mm. thought comes into your head. Holy poo. When, when I first went through my therapy, the one that really messed me up, like a little bit, it was like, am I really here? I went through a phase where really? I was living out, yeah. I, I was living outside my body a lot, where, and that sounds really weird to say, but at the time when I was going through this therapy, and obviously I was taking the antidepressants, so that could have been having a bit of an effect on me, but I was just kind of like, 
man, I don't feel like I'm real. I was like looking at myself going, is this really me? Is this happening? Is this a dream sort of thing? It was so weird. That took months to shake. That took months of me to, I I wasn't even going out anywhere. I had to physically force myself to go on public transport. And I used to go take walks around Birmingham by myself. Because obviously I used to go to London on public transport. So I used to, as part of my therapy, I'd have to go out on public transport and just go around a big city by myself. Um, but yeah, my God, that took months to, that was a trip, man. That was like such a weird feeling. And um, yeah, slipping, I'd hate it if I slipped back into that mindset because that was a bugger to yeah. shift. But Yeah, no. But you learn, some, uh, you learn a lot from all these things. So every, everything I've learned from this, like if I see somebody else struggling, I'll pass on my experience to them. Every, you know just to try and help so there's there's always a positive that comes out of these things i've dealt with it so if anybody else is dealing with it i can help them at the end of the day so yeah no it is good i think i think us chatting about about what bothers us and what our triggers are actually helps us mm. internalize it ourselves. Yeah. um so obviously me me at work actually like because i paint houses i work on my own and my brother's also a painter um hello yeah. rick by the way <laughs> um rick, my brother listens to this podcast so i just thought um he me and rick talk about uh, a, a lot about sort of being hyper aware of ourselves as well mm. and uh, i know that's something that my brother's got him, himself into like a, a bit of a situation where he can't drive on the motorway um, mm. and, and I guess it's the same sort of thing. He just becomes hyper aware of himself. And my brother is a very confident person outside mm. of, and in, in work, do you know what I mean? He's just, some things have just kind of like taken him back. And mm. my brother went through it a little bit um, earlier than me. I think my brother was going, talk, spoke to me about uh, driving on the motorway and not being able to do it because he was overthinking and... Um, I didn't, obviously there for your brother, but I, I couldn't really relate to it until I had mm. that episode on stage. And yeah. then, uh, then me and my brother really started talking about it. And, um, I, personally me talking to my friends, me talking to my brother about it has helped me. And obviously if we can have these public chats and talk about it, people listening into this that are going through mm. something, um, I think one of the biggest things you can offer is a conversation about this where somebody goes, oh, I have that. Mm. Like, I feel that. Like, yeah. I can't. Yeah, that is it. And then hopefully the penny will drop and it'll be like, okay, how can I work around that? Now, working around it is something mm. that is so subjective to who you are. I think everybody has their own, like, for instance, you said, think about these intrusive thoughts as advertisements walking uh, going past you. For mm. me, that might not work, but for you, you found that and it works for yeah, you yeah. and it aligns with your current thought process mm. and it was an easy one for you to jump on. Might be different for other mm. people, but I think the awareness is the first step. And, um, I, mm. you know, just t- conversations like this can be a, a form of therapy. Um, but yeah, thank you for opening mm. up about all that, though. That's, um, uh, hopefully, you know, a lot of people can relate. I mean, hopefully a lot of people can't relate to it, but if they do, I hope they can... They can kind of mm. get through it with, after what you've said. And, um, but really quick and completely off topic, how did you join mm. LBL? Well, I know because I asked you. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Next yeah. question. <laughs> um, so our drummer had left. And then uh, did I get in? T- I, I, I must have got in touch with you. But do you remember what I said? Like we had y- a talk you- coming up? or uh, Originally in 2018 when obviously I was having my little like 
problems that I had. You asked me to do a video shoot for a live, but I was going to America in October for somebody's wedding. And I was like, I've, oh, I really okay, need yeah. to go on this holiday to kind of go out and relax. Then um, that would, you didn't ask me to, you just asked me to do a video for you. Um, and then obviously oh, yeah, so Mitch did that, which was awesome anyway. And he did, a, he crashed. Uh, that was smashed for a live, yeah. Fair. It looks really cool. Yeah. And, um, and then come, I think it was like February, March time. And it was at, like, as I've said to you before, uh, and it's really weird actually, because I've pulled out my old notebook that I used to do my homework in for my therapy. And in my therapy books, I've got this thing um, on the thir first page. Oh no, where is it? Oh, don't tell me I've lost it. I can't lose. There it is. So like, <laughs> I, I used to, I used to like doodle stuff. That's what anxiety used to feel for me. So basically, there's a school there with a brain with a dark figure over it, yeah. and there's a white, there's a white flag in the corner. And actually, one of my things where I was like, oh, I feel like I'm waving the white flag. Uh, Interesting. Exactly. Which is really, I've just read that just before we started this podcast because I was like, actually, what was I, what were my thoughts like over here? And it was like, I feel like I'm waving a white flag. And then obviously, in um, at the time when I decided, right, I'm not going to go back to my job because there's no future for me there. Um, I think we, we had a Chinese and I I, kept, I always keep this. It says, um, you know, when you get oh, like so you, fortune cookies, yeah. I had like a fortune cookie that says rough times are behind you. And then I was just like, right, yep, yeah, I'm going to... I didn't let a fortune cookie decide my fate, but like, <laughs> I literally <laughs> I literally was like, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing personally for me to gain or mentally to gain from staying where I am other than receiving a paycheck every month. I am going to leave now. And then literally either the same day or the next day, you rang me and were like, oh, dude, um, we're going on tour. It might just be the UK. We might get Europe, but do you fancy playing the drums for us for Normandy? And I'd never heard of Normandy. And obviously this was the white flag tour, but I didn't put two and two together with me writing and waving a white flag so on that. cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's so that weird, is so cool. And you read that just before doing this podcast? Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was oh, trying that's to find... That's it, cool. It was something like... Oh, where is it? It was meant and to I be, was, Snake. It was totally I, meant to be. But that's the thing. I'm a massive believer, and if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And obviously, you ringing me that day because I, I, in my in my life of pie that I drawed with my therapist, it was like ninety percent work and like ten percent was left for my personal life and music. And I was so, and I remember talking to um the therapist. I was so upset that music is a massive thing in my life, and it's always going to be a massive thing in my life. And I was not doing enough of it at the time. And I was just so sad about not doing enough of it. And then you ring me and asked me to do a full <laughs> UK and European tour. And I was just like, yep. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. you actually, I remember you saying that, like, you got you going on that tour, sort of, it was a big turning point for you. And that's so cool that, that I, I could do that for you or we could do mm. that for you because, you know, you I felt like you'd kind of given me quite a lot early on in my music career, you know, just starting up, looking at some looking at somebody that's so passionate about playing their instrument and just thought, mm. oh man, like I, I want to be in a band full of you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like, <laughs> so, you know, and so, yeah, oh, that's really cool. I like how that mm. all came full circle. And um, but with that, with that tour though, that, that tour, I went through that whole tour. I was still having intrusive thoughts and everything. I was still battling that on tour, but the tour took my mind off it. And even my therapist was like, yeah, you need to go do this. Get out there. Yeah get out That's there so and cool. just enjoy yourself. And, and Clara was a big push because I was saying to Clara, I was like, shall I just do it? Because at the time I was just leaving work. So they didn't know I was doing this tour at the time. Oops. 
because uh, I was speaking to them while we were in Germany a lot because I told them I was going to see my grandma oh, yeah. in France. Yeah. So oh, I put Claire, yeah. Claire was like, nah, fuck them. You can beat that. Beep. Um, she was like, yeah, just fuck them. Go and do it. Go and do it and just go find yourself again. And I was just like, awesome. And then the first day of tour, Simon shits himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get Simon on. Uh, and we're going to chat about his experience being our merch guy. I don't know when, but we're going to do it at some point. Uh, but Snake, I actually think that's a really good place to end. How yeah, you definitely. Joined? Obviously, we'll we'll have you back on. Um, hopefully, we can it'd be me, you, and Chris. That would be really cool. Mm. Hopefully, we can get Rob on. Talk about how he's become TikTok famous. Rob's our bass player, <laughs> oh. by the way. Uh, <laughs> I feel so bad for him because that's all anybody ever talks about at the moment. He's TikTok <laughs> famous. <laughs> he's just tic- well, he's just TikTok famous. He had TikTok mm. about a month ago, and now he's got like eleven thousand followers. Anyway. Right, should we call it? Should we call it? Yeah. Should we should we end on an O piss? You heard it? Oh, oh piss! piss.